Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to another edition of Technology Expresso Cafe Radio. Dave and Jacqueline bring you up close and personal to the innovators, contributors, and creative minds in and around technology today. Visit our website portal at www.technologyexpresso.com. There you will find a full list of our broadcasts from all across the technology spectrum, our social media handles, and related content. So sit back with Dave and Jacqueline as they serve up Technology Expresso, fast, hot, and intense. And hello, this is Jacqueline Sanders Blackman here with Technology Expresso Radio with your afternoon edition of the Cafe Radio so excited, so pumped up. That that intro, I'm loving that intro. I hope you guys are enjoying that new intro to get you all pumped up and excited about our topic because we've got a very energetic, dynamic woman with us this afternoon who is excited about math. Yes. <laughs> um, yes, and she's going to get you excited. <laughs> Hello, Sandra. How are you? I am doing spectacular. How are you doing, Jacqueline? Doing excellent, excellent. I am so looking forward to today's show. I think we both were. <laughs> I don't know if that's just as a sign of, you know, hey, math, math is more exciting than people think. I think we're going to really surprise them. Let, let me set the stage for them a little bit. Coach Sandra Roach, uh, and you may have seen some of the announcements prior to the show, uh, referring to Sandra Roach, the math coach. But let me caveat that. She's more than just a math coach. She's also a certified life coach. Um, she coaches millennials, uh, and she's the owner and director of the Tutoring Tree. That's where the math coach comes from, which the Tutoring Tree provides tutoring services to students in grades K through 12. And she's uh, specifically located in the Cleveland, Ohio area, but I've got some exciting news. You don't have to be in Cleveland to be able to take advantage of her services. So we're going to talk about that, too. Students receive assistance in all subjects specializing in math from arithmetic to calculus. She works closely with her students to pinpoint skill gaps and develop strategies to assess comprehension. She's also an author. I'm not going to give away the thunder because the the title in itself uh, gives away uh, a lot. So we're we're going to really kind of feed them step by step. First, we're going to talk about the math and the tutoring. Then we're going to talk about your book. But I just want to end by saying Sandra's heart-centered mission is to teach young adults how to push the switch that turns on the light to help them receive clarity, direction, and success their lives. So, again, so excited to, to have you. Thank you for joining us. Yes, I am so yes, excited so to be excited here. To and, here. Uh, and, uh, math has, has been the background of how I was able to, you know, go into coaching and just helping others um, get a love for math, math because it just helps in my critical thinking skills and um, and I just get excited about helping one person get learn to love math because oftentimes you think of math and you're thinking, no, I'm not good at it, but I feel like everyone has the capacity to learn and like something about math. Absolutely, absolutely. So to our audience, stay tuned. And if you're on the phone line with us, if you dialed into the 714-888-7506, if you'd like to talk to Sandra, ask her a question, or even just uh, say hello to her if you're one of her uh, uh, followers, part of her tribe, just press 1, and we can see you in the phone queue. And my uh, Javon our engineer, she will talk to you for a little bit and get you queued up so that you can come on air. Um, if you're listening on your laptop, thank you for joining us today. Uh, excited to have all the different area codes with us, including uh, the 216 and, of course, our 404-770-678. Thank you for joining us. Um, and share our broadcast and podcast with others. It's in our archives, so not everybody may be able to squeeze this in on their lunch hour. 
but tell them about the show. Like I said, we've got a, the topic is really important about helping kids love math, help them not be afraid of math, uh, because that can hold them back in a lot of areas. I like the way you even tied it into critical thinking. But let me start with my first question for you. Let's go back to when you were a youngster. What what was it that kind of got you interested in even when did you initially fall in love with, with math and, the, and those areas? Um, I want to say that math did truly come naturally to me. Um, I've always enjoyed doing the math. I'm more of a, all right, one plus one, oh, it's two. And you can actually show and prove that. So I feel like math uh, gives you a lot of answers. So once I began uh, understanding why, specific formulas uh, were used or theorems or the processes when the real love um, started. And um, nowadays students get caught up in the motion of finishing classrooms or just uh, classwork or um, completing their homework for points and not going into why they're doing it. It's more for the grade, but not realizing that the skills and the processes you're going through to solve an algebra problem or a geometry problem. Um, you use those skills in everyday um, activities um, because it allows you to think and um, organize your thoughts and think, uh, think through things in sequences. And so as opposed to just doing the work just to get points or a grade, you can really use the math for life skills. And um, and I, I enjoyed math because of the, the practical part of it. You can really use it in everyday life, and that's when I really fell in love with the math. And I've been fortunate enough to have really great teachers. And once I, like, for instance, in my freshman year, I ended up in pre-algebra. But luckily for me, my school had block scheduling, so once I started doing well, in the pre-algebra class, I was able to go, they suggested algebra honors for me. And so I'm like, okay, I guess I am really good at this. So once I started taking the honors classes and the geometry, math started becoming a little bit easier. But the key thing here is repetition. <laughs> you really, really have to do uh, more than just 20 problem sets. You really need to practice. And, and hone in on your skills to really get the math. Amazing, amazing. You know that you know you know a couple of things that you said that really resonated with me is that first of all is making math relatable. You know tying it to life skills. That's so important. You know when kids are just trying to you know check the box and get those those like you said grades and points, they're missing um, that deeper connection. I, I dare say to math. Um, and that in itself could be where they're they're really missing that opportunity. And then you know the the other thing, of, of course, the, and one of your last points was the repetition. And so again, kids when they're looking at doing the bare minimum, just what they have to do, like you said, those twenty points. Versus no, if if you when you're struggling, it's actually the time you got to do the extra practice. You know, I think about athletes. What do they do? They they practice. You know. Um, they just walk out on the, the, and that's why, you know, you have their coaches and after-school practices, and, and then even in the summer, they go to camps and so on and so forth. And sometimes we have to think about that, too, about um, in, in these uh, intellectual and educational areas, too. There there has to be that practice and that, that coaching and the tutoring. Um, so just because something might be a challenge it doesn't mean that you just write it off as I'm not good at it. And, and I think I see that sometimes. Um, how is that the case for you as well? That is the case. Oftentimes um, people um, I've seen that around third or fourth grade is when generally think that they are, they're not good at math, third and fourth grade. And usually it starts with an initial exposure to a topic and they start to do well, and they're like, yeah, I love math, and it's going great until something comes up and they do not understand. And um, and sometimes students are afraid to ask the teacher, so they kind of sit around and wait until the next topic, and they, get, they start to think 
further into this hole of not knowing. Um, so if you if you don't know what to do, you should probably get help. But nowadays with class sizes, um, it's tough for teachers to cater to each individual student. And um, it's set up in curriculums for teachers to have differentiated instruction. So you're catering to the, the visual learner or the uh, auditory learner or the kinesthetic learner, the tactile learner. But um, a child that's not getting uh, a problem, it's up to the parent or even that student to let the teacher know so they can get that assistance. Because if that goes without attention, um, students tend to suffer in silence. And we all know math builds. So they can go to another topic, but that pro um, where you were struggling before it will present itself again. And you find yourself not doing well, and then um, it comes back, and you found your son, and you realize, I still won't get this. And after repeatedly feeling that you're not doing well, you're not doing well, people tend to say, okay, I'm just not good at math. <laughs> Um, but that could easily be fixed. The, the solution is actually getting the help, even if it's not within the class, if the class size is too big or you're in a school district where, you know, they aren't providing those uh, services, it's really up to um, the parents um, in getting that extra assistant outside. And there are um, things available. There so many um, online platforms, there's private tutoring, and um, but you definitely want to give your students the, the fighting chance to give math an, an opportunity to, to, to do well just in math itself. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and so, uh, you know, I really want that to resonate with our audience is that, you know, not every parent is, is cognizant that there's different learning styles. And so, where the disconnect is might not be that you're not just writing off that the child isn't good in a particular area. It's that that classroom isn't conducive to their particular learning style. Um, exactly. And, so, you know, and, and then, you know, because I'll be honest, I teach adults and I still see the different learning styles. You know, I, I watch them sometime in the classes and say, oh, okay, I can see how you were when you were 10 years old, because you're, <laughs> you know, where they get fidgety <laughs> and, you know, they can't sit still. And so we've got to get up and, and do some type of, you know, workshop or something like that, get something hands on, keep them moving and, and get them engaged. And, you know, so it really is, it, it, it really is relevant as to understanding what your learning style is. And then again, sometimes we get, like you said, you can't expect the classroom and in order the schools to, to be the end all, um, bring it home, and then find out what what do you need to do at home to adjust to give them that learning style um, or give, to feed that learning style and or giving them the coaching or tutoring that they need and, and maybe even in some cases getting assessed to find out what that learning style is. So there's, again, there's the investment into that. And, and I think the other thing you said that is so important is that not just writing off uh, you know, okay, I'm not good at math because in even in my experience is writing off math, you're writing off, you're, you're closing a door, especially pretty early. You said third or fourth grade. You're closing a door to a lot of different uh, possible occupations and, and then that leads to different lifestyles and, and so on and so forth. So, you know, we talk about STEM, science, technology, engineering, all of them, there's the thread of math that goes through all of them. And then something you said, too, is that math just isn't about the numbers. It's also helping to develop your problem solving, your analytical thinking, your critical thinking. I, I thought that really, you know, hit home. And, and when people close that off, um, you know, very early on, like I said, third or fourth grade, um, maybe closing some doors. What are your thoughts? No, I agree because um, based on the Bureau of Labor Statistics, um, they say that employment requiring STEM knowledge, which is the science, technology, engineering, and math, um, 29%, adding about 2.1 million new jobs. So um, you definitely want to go get into the STEM. 
and do what it takes to at least, you know, work it in there. And you did bring up a point with the whole careers. Um, but especially nowadays, you're looking for stuff or people, uh, students are graduating and not being able to get jobs um, based on their majors. If you can find the love for STEM at an early age, you're really uh, broadening, broadening your chances of uh, a really great career and even, a, you know, financially and career-wise because the jobs are projected to be there. Exactly, exactly. Well, well, let, let, let's talk about jobs and opportunities because with your love of math, that kind of led you down the, uh, the, the track of engineering. When did you get the engineering bug? How did that come about? Uh, funny story with the engineering um, thing. I knew I loved math and I knew I loved science. Um, but when it came time for me to pick a major, it was a little tough because of prior exposure uh, with um, me, with my family being uh, we're immigrants. My parents from Haiti. I was born in the Bahamas and we moved to Florida for a better life, like most immigrants. And so, trailblazer for my family. So there was no one telling me what I needed to do. I just knew I had to do well, and it just so happened I was doing well and understanding math. And so senior year came, and um, I, I, I got accepted to Florida State University. Go Seminoles! <laughs> <laughs> and everyone kept asking me what I wanted, uh, what was I majoring in, and I thought to myself, I have no idea. So I went to my favorite biology teacher, and she asked me her first question, what do you love? What's your favorite subject? I said math and science. She said, be an engineer, <laughs> and that was it. <laughs> that's all she wrote, right? She, that's all she wrote. She could have said, be a, be a lawyer, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to be a lawyer. <laughs> you know, be an architect. I would have been an architect, so engineering came like that and when I when I first came in there I was even unsure which uh which discipline to specialize in I did end up in electrical engineering and I minored in math and in physics and I realized a software part and a hardware part of the engineering and I gravitated towards the hardware I liked you know creating programmable logic and and doing all that stuff so the cool thing about engineering, it gives you, it allows, you're trained to solve problems. You are trained to solve problems, and that's what's so great about it because um, no, I, that's the way I kind of look at life. When I see an issue present itself, I kind of go through the whole scientific, <laughs> uh, scientific uh, methods, and I kind of take it in. I see what's going on, I assess it, I gather up information and research, and then I try to figure out, you know, some type of thesis, and I, I just handle it. So um, with given any type of problems, I address this, my background as uh, to solve problems has been um, instrumental in my success in starting a tutoring company and even, you know, going into the coaching and even writing um, up um, my books. So, uh, it, it, it's more than just the math. It's the, it brings up, it leads to other and clears your path to where you need to be. You, you know, that is so important, and you know, for, for young people, because I know it can sometimes be a struggle. You go to college, you don't know what you want to be, quote, unquote, when you uh, grow up. And, you know, they, they might feel at that moment they've got to make a, a make or break decision, you know, and that this uh -huh. is the end all. But actually, a lot of us, you know, you might go to school, and it's good to get something that, you know, has some content in it, but then you can leverage that in a lot of different ways. You know, you talked about, you know, going into engineering, electrical engineering, but it taught you, like you said, that problem-solving skills. Now look at you as, you know, an author, owning your own business, you're doing the tutoring, you're you're drawing and leveraging those stuff, but it doesn't mean that... Um, that's all, you know, that we go through, and as a matter of fact, statistics show that we go through about three different career phases. 
Um, you know, here I am sitting, <laughs> running a radio show, um, and I have a computer science background. But that has led me to, you know, one passion to another, and then being a, a communicator as well as having a love for uh, technology and STEM and wanting, and then wanting to help young people, it all came together for us. So, you know, that that's what I want people to understand, that people are multifaceted, because I think sometimes people get the idea, especially with STEM, and we're talking, you know, we're on this show talking about our love for math, um, that, you know, you're, you know, there's this connotation of being a geek or a nerd, but everybody has <laughs> other aspects to them, too. You know, you are, you know, a, a very vibrant lady with a lot of uh, different skill sets and passion. And, and you know, it just comes across. There's more to us than just math. But it just so happens that, you know, like yourself, I was a math minor, so I can appreciate it. So just trying to help our audience bridge the gap that, you know, um, yeah, you can love math. And then you can also have your other passions as well, and they all can go together. And that that whole math and engineering part, that problem solving, it cro- cuts across whatever you do. So I think that that's that was really poignant for me when you when you mentioned that. Now, and I love you know, how you said that. Oh, I was gonna say I love no, no, how no, you please. said that. You know, and and you go to three different phases and even careers. And you're right because. Um, I always see you major in, make sure your minor is your plan B or C. Because, <laughs> you know, I have an engineering degree. I worked in engineering, but I now I tutor in math and science. And so, and that's my minor. So you have to make sure whatever you're majoring in in school and your minors are giving you options uh, as you transition into adulthood. Excellent, excellent. You know, help our audience because this is—it's pretty exciting that you are a female engineer, and you know, there's a lot of talk and a lot of chatter about women and, and being in, in the various uh, STEM fields. You know, I—I I can speak from a IT perspective and technology, but talk to our audience about what is a day in the life of an electrical engineer from from your experience. What are some of the things that you you do? What is that like? Um, as an electrical engineer um, for an MEP consulting firm, so I I worked in the construction industry. I created electrical schematic designs for lighting and fire alarm systems. So I needed to learn. I was, I was on the computer using AutoCAD, and literally when you walk into a building, what's the first thing you do? You turn on a light, <laughs> Right. Someone had to create the schematic to power that switch. And every outlet that you go in, you see that. And even in these big body, these uh, big box store areas, when you walk into the parking lot, there are, uh, there are lampposts and there's lighting fixtures everywhere. That was my job, um, to create electrical plants and on the drawings um, for a specific um, uh, uh, measurements, had to do power calculations, and that's when the real thing comes in. As engineers, you take all these classes. You're taking out calculus one, two, three, and who thought math went past calculus three? Then there's discrete math. There's all these different types of math. But when it comes time to do the actual work, you find yourself doing a problem, energy equals current times. <laughs> I'm throwing up formulas out there. Power equals IV, voltage times current. And the equation is that simple, but the numbers are huge. And you are responsible for people's lives. So they have you do all these higher-level critical thinking math problems just so you can be almost perfect and solving the easy problems because people are relying on you. Companies are relying on your skill set. It's a, it's a cerebral job. You need to know that when you say it's five kilowatts of power coming through here or this, it's, it's for real. It's the truth, and you're confident in it. So um, so that's what I did on a daily basis. I created uh, – uh, did plan layouts 
uh, for the construction industry. And so that was there's technical documentations involved, um, scheduling, um, cost estimation. So that was pretty good. It was, it was many hours in front of the computer, um, but it was worth it because you um, were doing what you had to do, and it was very, very important as well. And every hour you spent on that drawing, your brain, it, it, uh, they're billable hours, and so your company is bill, you, billing the client for that. And um, and it is very, very important, and, um, and I, I really enjoyed it. <laughs> Wow, wow. You know, and, and I, I'm even enlightened here because, you know, again, you know, uh, I might, when you talk about electrical and engineer, I was imagining a hard hat and crawling on the ground and, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you know but, but that's why we want to have these conversations because, you know, like you said, you spent many hours at a desk, at your computer, and, um, I could relate to it. I do something called business analysis and, and laying out kind of the blueprint for creating software and you creating grids. And like you said, you know, lives are at state and I'm sure there has to be a lot of attention to detail and, and double checking the, oh, yeah. the calculations. Amazing. Amazing. And then I, I also started thinking about, you know, when there is different outages or natural disasters and that type of thing, then they're probably, Relying on all these and planned out, and and uh, that's how they troubleshoot those things. So, wow, that that is really you know that it puts things into perspective. So again, this this sharing of, of knowledge and awareness is is about exposing young people because they don't even understand all the different aspects. I didn't even understand. Uh, so you know that I'm, I'm I'm excited about that and and so glad that you had the opportunity to share that with us. You know, I agree but, because also because people when they think electrical engineer, they think electrician, and mm-hmm. what happens as an engineer, you're creating the document for an electrician to build. So I was responsible for creating buildable documents. So whatever, let's say I say this, a wire goes here, or this, or this is the uh, configuration to for the uh, electrical room. Someone has to build whatever I put on that uh, plan. So times after, let's say they're building in the um, beginning stage of building, as engineers, sometimes we do put the hard hat just to take a look at what we actually put on paper. It's so beautiful to see, oh, my goodness, I, I did that, and to see it actually in real life. So there's so many different parts, moving parts in the whole uh, building uh, phases, which is very intriguing. And I feel like um, as engineers, it's our job to take nothing and make something out of it. So I think that's what drew, drew me into and made me stay in engineering because I realized I was creating something. I was designing something. And it is, it's a beautiful thing. Absolutely, absolutely. And, you know, and I, I always tell and talking to my audience and talking to parents, you know, as young kids, that curiosity come, may come across as kids being destructive. I know I was one for taking apart my toys, <laughs> especially <laughs> the electronic ones, because I wanted to see how they work, what was in there. Um, and, and, you know, parents should nurture that because that, that is what, you know, goes into a lot of the STEM uh, careers as far as, you know, problem solving you, you figure out how things work, you take them apart, and then you put them back together. Sometimes you put them back together. Sometimes you don't. <laughs> uh, but that, but but nurture that, too. That's kind of that, that curiosity. That's important to kind of keep that, that going um, and maybe replace. But hopefully, they, you know, you got to stop them from going around the house and taking things apart. So find those different toys that nurture. There's some great toys out there now that help nurture that curiosity, Um and so, so look for that that little uh, spark and that little engineer and uh, the little ones and 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 cultivate that. <laughs> it's, it's so important. Well, let me talk to my audience and let them know that we are talking with Sandra Roach, and for today she's the math coach. <laughs> that's our that that's that's one area that we're going to talk about today. But Sandra is uh, with us, talking with us from Cleveland, Ohio. So excited 
to uh, connect with her. She's sharing with us her love for math. And as a matter of fact, if you have a question about math and and um, helping your youngster to fall in love with math, um, and also she also shared with us her by day. She is an electrical engineer. That was her major, and math was her minor. So you might have questions about that, how to cultivate that in our young people. Um, so we, we talked about the electrical engineering, and I like the way you said that math, make your minor your, your backup. And so let's talk about your backup. And what led you to start a tutoring uh, company? Talk, take us that, down that path. Tutoring company. All right. So um, I actually started tutoring when I was in sixth grade. <laughs> Um, my middle school was across the street from an elementary school, and they said, who wanted to go help the kindergartners read and do little problems? And I volunteered because I wanted to be a teacher <laughs> when I grew up. Um, so I continued helping others throughout high school. Even when I was in college, I helped um, when it came time for you know work study. I chose to work at the local high school to help tutor. So I've been tutoring for a long time. And after graduating, to me, I shortly, I, I graduated shortly after 9-11. So, um, so 9-11, 2001, I graduated in 02. And um, at the time, there were, companies weren't hiring. So that's when, uh, problem-solving skills kicked in, like, okay, I have an engineering degree. What am I going to do with this degree? So I decided, hey, I always wanted to be a teacher. Let me teach. So as I taught, um, I just realized that's where I wanted to be because as an educator, I feel like that's one of the most important jobs. You're actually giving your students clarity and helping them um, gain tools for the success. for a success, uh, you know, just to put just tools for success in general. So that was great. And then I left that, went into the engineering. Uh, and then while I was at the engineering uh, company, I was fortunate enough to have uh, uh, partners of the company that were avid goal setters. And I love, absolutely love goal setting. And and their stories kind of resonated with me because they started their company and it blew up and it became a million dollar company. And I was like, Hey, now that I'm an engineer, I was ready and engineer turned educator. Now I'm like, you know, I'm feeling the entrepreneur bug. (laughs) I had already been tutoring people, you know, part time a little bit, but I left my engineering job and decided I was going to, open up a tutoring company because when I was in the classroom, I realized with a class size of 25, I couldn't hit everybody. I could not reach every student. And because I was so passionate, the the subject most students usually struggled with was the math. And then you have the science or then you have the English. But it was really math. So I decided to start the tutoring company um, that focused strictly on math. And um, and being able to work with the student one-on-one. In classrooms, students are, because of peer pressure, they're reluctant to raise their hand if they don't understand a concept. So even if you have a class or where you're, um, the teacher is willing to help, they're not going to raise their hand so their uh, peers don't make it look like they don't know what's going on. So... I feel like with the tutoring company, you offer the child one-on-one, and it's, uh, it's only me. So if they have any type of question, I make sure I answer it for them. And so with the one-on-one, it's great. There are some companies that do group coaching, but I feel like one-on-one coaching, um, tutoring is most effective because you client your child's learning style and help them understand whatever problem and put it in their, the terms that they can understand. So if it's a visual, if we're doing, um, uh, if I'm working a problem for a visual learning, I always have some type of colors, like I do markers, highlighters with their notes, 
flashcards, just and I draw pictures for a visual learner. If it's an auditory uh, learner, I do a, another technique. And if it's a tactile learner, I do something else. So with the tutoring company, it gives me options so I can give my clients options. Amazing, amazing. And let me let our audience know, you can go to sandraroach.com, S-A-N-D-R-A-R-O-A-C-H.com, find out more about Sandra. And I've got some good news for you. Even though I mentioned that she's in Cleveland, Ohio, she does uh, in, uh, take clients who are out of state um, thanks to technology and, and the, the different resources <laughs> we have. You know, this is what I love about technology. It, it's making the, the world so connected. And, you know, it's a world village now. And, um, and wherever you are, reach out to, to Sandra. You, she'll, she'll work with you and, and looking forward to you uh, reaching out to, to her. So I'm really excited about that. Uh, again, SandraRoach.com. Please visit her, her website. Um, Sandra, do you have a particular success story or a breakthrough or just a, a story that you'd like to, to share uh, about uh, this, someone that you uh, have tutored and, and saw a breakthrough? Yes, I do. I have hundreds of those. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll share, um, actually, I'll share one that just happened recently. So it's last semester towards the end of the year. Um, it's November, the quarter is about to be over, and I get a call from a parent saying that the child is failing pre-algebra. <laughs> this is middle school. And I'm like, okay, uh, let me hear what's going on. So I met the student, and it was a 56%. Uh, percent. <laughs> and the student um, started missing assignments. And what students tend to do is when they don't understand, they they shut down. So missing assignments, not completing homework, some not working well, or uh, and just becoming dis, uh, a distraction in class. So now you're talking to class and not paying attention. So that was all the issues that was going on uh, with this particular student. And I w- was brought in uh, by the parents. And what I usually do for my uh, parents, I come in and I speak to the teacher. I, I ask for uh, an email introduction so I can let the teacher know that I am the tutor on board and I will be assisting uh, this uh, my client uh, just to ensure a, a successful arrest of degree, 56% average. Um, we were able to, with the homework, I, we worked out a plan where uh, the teacher decided to let the student turn in the missing assignments for half credit. Some were for full, um, but most of them was fast. But what you realize that even little um, zero count brings your grade down really, really drastically. So even if you get 50% better than 0%. So even getting half, uh, half credit for some of the assignments brought the grade up. And also me being able to cater to the child's learning style, I was able to break the expressions down or the exponents, the rules for power when you're adding them and when you're multiplying and so forth. So now the when the child's confidence level grew, he started being more attentive in class, so his participation grade increased, and so... Also, his um, his grades started reflecting the in, um, in-class quizzes started improving, and the teachers were actually reaching out to me and saying they noticed a positive improvement in his, in his in his attitude. And so, within short three weeks, this is really fast. His 56 was up to a 68 mm. percent, and then. Yes, that's huge. <laughs> that's drastic. So now the parent really wanted to for the child to just pass. But when I work with my students, I always have them set goals and they're realistic goals. So I'm like, okay, you're at a 56. What are you trying? What are your goals? Are you trying to 
just pass with a D, or do you think we can swing a C? C? And he was like, well, let's try to see if we can get to a D. <laughs> I'm like, okay. So we got three weeks you know, later, 68%. I'm like, okay, we're touching that C. Can we go further? He goes, yes. Yeah. So another two weeks later, so that we're at five weeks, we're at 72%. Oh, wow. And mind you, we were able, with a short time, because this is huge, with a short time, he was able to pass the class with not just a D, but with a C in, um, in, in math. And that's, that's huge um, uh, to be able to move up two letter grades like that from an F to a C. And that's with a student coming to me um, toward, um, really towards the end of a grading period. And I also have another story of where a student actually started with me at the beginning. Um, so it's more like maintenance. So I had a chemistry student, a high schooler, who started off, decided with she's going to start with Sandra early in the year, and um, we were actually able to make straight A's in chemistry, which is an advanced math, uh, advanced science class the whole year. And it was because they started early with the tutoring. Amazing, amazing. Those, those, oh, those are great stories. Because on, on the one hand, it's you know you might feel like it's too late, but look how you know you all were able to turn around. And I think what people don't, eat, what you can't see is probably what that did for that young man internally too, as far as his self confidence. You know, and, oh, and just yeah. feel, you know going from because you know, and I I know there's conversations in the school system about even using the term of failing, you know, because that, that that's a stigma and that gets embedded into someone's psyche that I'm a failure, I'm not good at math, I can't do it. And and for him to pass and, and to not just get the bare minimum, get to see, I'm sure that, that he had to be sticking his chest out and, and so proud of himself um, that that's going to set a precedence for him and other challenges in his life. So that that's remarkable. Um that, and, and I think yeah, that the that's... parent was yeah the parent was very happy because the parent actually sent me a personal text that Sandra you don't know what this means he doesn't work with just everybody and so it takes a real person to you know uh, to even get him to do to even work because like you right. said when people think they're failing they think it's over but I'm here to let you know that even if you're failing it's not over if you're willing to fight I'm willing to fight as well. Oh, that's amazing. That's amazing. And, you know, and, and, and even, like you said, the the person that came to you early on, and that's, that's the, the best case scenario. Come when when you, you start finding yourself struggling, because like you said, once he got so far along, then his attendance dropped off, his participation started dropping off, him not turning in assignments, and it was just going to snowball. You know, uh, you know, I think sometimes there's a stigma that, you know, you're asking for help. But I, I always like to use those analogies. Uh, athletes have help all the time. They don't do it by themselves. <laughs> they have coaches Absolutely. and trainers, and people who tape them up and untape them. You know, they have they have a whole staff for the athletes. But then we want the students from an academic perspective, you know, to, to go it alone. And, it, and, and we've got to take that away, that you need help, ask for it. There's great, you know, there, there's people like yourself that, you know, that, nurturing and like you said I like the way you said that if you're willing to fight I'll fight too I'll fight with you I'll fight for you so I, I you know people reach out to sandraroach.com and and you know I, and I knew this was going to happen Sandra we're going to run out of time so we've got to have you back <laughs> because we're only oh, <laughs> we're not even all the way through your list because you know you know I don't even know which way to go but I at least want to touch upon you know your whole coaching approach, uh, you know, helps with the students and their academics, but you you have a passion for the millennials. So why don't you talk about the millennials? For the millennials, because I've been uh, fortunate enough <laughs> to work with many of them for many years. Um, as you know, mil- millennials are uh, people that are born anywhere around the 80s, so 78, 79, 80s, to up to till 2000. And um, I've actually been able to work with the millennials 
through my coach, uh, my tutoring company. So let's say a student worked with me in uh, middle school. I tend to work with them throughout high school, even college. And right now, one of my uh, earliest clients that I tutored in high school is now uh, has just recently gotten married and starting a family. So I am very connected to the millennials and how they think. And so my job is to definitely just provide clarity to help them move forward and even um, and just create a life that they want and as they transition into adulthood. That's why I'm very passionate about the millennials because I – I'm so close to them, and I kind of know why they're thinking. There's a lot of stereotypes about negative stereotypes, but um, I'm a very positive person, so those negatives, I'm able to find the positive in there and allow that to not stop them but keep them moving forward um, and just, you know, just taking the, the challenges that adulthood might bring and just helping them, you know, maintain them and just get clarity, break them up and, and set goals so they can move to the next level. Absolutely, absolutely. So uh, again, even uh, even though her tu- tutoring is for the elementary and the middle school, the high school, it doesn't stop there. She's also a life it coach. <laughs> Uh, everybody could use a little coaching. Everybody needs, you know, that 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 person that's in their corner and and, and helping them. Uh, you know, there's a lot of different decisions we have to make every day that can be life changing and life altering. So, um, reach out to her. Um, now, let me talk about Sandra Roach, the author. <laughs> that's another hat. Let's switch hats there. Why don't you talk about your new book? All right, Sandra Roach, the author, um, Careers from A to Z. Um, the reason why I actually even wrote the book during a session with one of my millennials <laughs> who was in high school at the time, I asked her, what do you want to be? She had no idea. You're a junior, senior. But then I asked another one. They had no idea what they wanted to major in and just um, – just needed help. And then I realized at the time, I was thinking, okay, well, it's not like I knew what I wanted to be when I grew up either at this stage. How can I solve this problem? (laughs) So I threw my engineering hat on and I thought to myself, when do kids start to think of what they want to be? When, um, and it's when they're in middle, um, when they're in elementary school at a young age. So I wrote the book, Alina's Options, Careers from A to Z, showcasing over 100-plus careers for uh, career options for for kids. So most there isn't a book like that out there because most books, they already assume you want to be a firefighter. So there's a firefighter. If you want to be a nurse, there's a nurse book. But Alina's Options, Careers from A to Z has all the different career options from A to Z and gives you a short snippet of what they do, and then it's up to the child or the parent to do the research and get those individual books. So, um, and even with that book, I'm really excited about it because it does give options. And um, one day I I took a look at the book and I thought to myself, well, Alina has a lot of options because I affectionately named it after my uh, daughter, Alina, who was three at the time. And I decided after reading the book for myself, a lot of people need options, especially during a time of the recession and a lot of people were out of work. I decided I wanted to um, be an example for others. And now I have dedicated my life uh, to become 26 letters of the alphabet. I'm following in Alina's path. I'm giving. So now it's Sandra Roach. Uh, from A to Z, so um, if you notice, I'm an author, an engineer, a life coach, a teacher, and a Zumba instructor. <laughs> so I am working my way through the book, and I feel like if I can do one career or even five careers, someone can choose one career. 
Absolutely, absolutely. And, you know, I, I love it. It's Alina's Options, A-L-I-N-A apostrophe S Options. How, how do they get a hold of the book? What's the best way to get the book? The best way um, to get a hold of the book is um, actually if everyone just goes through the website you've been saying, com, they can um, make an inquiry on that. Excellent, excellent. You know, and that's one of the things I, I love about it, too, is that it's from a, a girl's perspective, and that's so important. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, and, and boys have options. They have the same, you know, it, it goes both ways. But it's also very important, you know, right now, uh, we're emphasizing that girls have options and that women have options and to, to consider all your options. Um, and, you know, we we emphasize this a lot on Technology Express. So a lot of times uh, people go down one path or follow in someone else's, who they see in their immediate family because they don't know their options. You know, like I said, even as you talked about the electrical engineer if someone isn't exposed to someone that does that and can talk about what an engineer does, they're thinking electrician. So you're you're yeah. absolutely right. And and this is why we have these conversations and, and, and this ex- exposure. So I'm really, I really, like I said, from the top of the show, I was really excited to have you come and talk and, and you're just such a fascinating and energetic person. And like I said, Cleveland is so ha- so lucky to have you. But it doesn't stop there because people, anyone who's hearing our voice, can also access you. You're accessible through both your website and the, the Internet. But one, I'll let you, you share with the audience. What's, what are some of the ways they can get in contact with you? And maybe if you have any upcoming events. All right, um, you can get in contact with me at www.sandraroach.com. That's S-A-N-D-R-A-R-O-A-C-H.com. And um, my handle's at I am Sandra Roach, and that's on Twitter and Instagram. And um, as far as upcoming events, uh, in the process of planning a, a women's biz camp um, in May uh, for uh, in Cleveland for uh, women that are looking for taking their businesses to the next level. So that's a biz cla- um, camp. 2016, and that's going to be hosted in Cleveland, and that's in May. And those details will be on my website um, as far as upcoming events. Absolutely. And also, also, like you were saying, um, in the summertime, I will have um, for uh, I'll have online bridge um, courses. So if it's geometry in the fall, um, I'll have an option for uh, parents and students to download a course on geometry or specific topics, key topics they should focus on that would help them during that first month of of classes. Amazing. So people would want to get connected with you. They may not think they need you at the moment, but connect, <laughs> follow, <laughs> you know, through the course of life, whether it's it's math and or just general life coaching, this is a, a great woman to be connected with. Your your energy uh, is, is, you know, I, I can feel it, you know, and, and we missed each other right here in Atlanta. As a matter of fact, there was a biz camp in Atlanta. So, you know, we missed each other, but our paths will uh, cross, I know, sooner versus later. Um, maybe talk a little bit about your, your visit here to Atlanta and, and the biz camp here. Oh, the biz camp here was amazing. It was um, hosted by Felicia Phillips with the Pinkpreneur Network, and she did an awesome job in just giving uh, entrepreneurs, women entrepreneurs, uh, tools um, to take their businesses to the next level. Um, so whether it's on blogging or telling your story, um, PR um, tips, and even the amount of times you're supposed to social media should be on and the amount of postings you're supposed to. So a lot of the tips were invaluable, and um, she does a great job. The Pinkpreneur does a great job in um, giving uh, women the tools they need to, to make it in the, this century, in this day of technology um, age. And um, so I'm excited about hosting uh, the next one in Cleveland, 
Um, so um, come out if you want to take it to the next level. No, absolutely, absolutely. Um, and I've got family in Cleveland, so maybe our paths were actually uh, – maybe <laughs> I'll, I'll have to come to you <laughs> since I missed you when you were in, in my town. But, yeah, and, and uh, you know, shout-outs to Felicia Phillips, and that's how you and I connected again talking about networking and, and uh, that type of thing. She got us connected, and, and when you started talking and telling me your story, she actually we gave me your name for one aspect, but then when I found out you were engineer and math, I was like, <laughs> got to have her on the show. Other people have to hear this story. So, you know, and really enjoyed you and would like to have you back. And I know our audience, a lot of times that when we have a new guest, they like to listen and, and then the, the questions come after the show. So I'm looking forward to some follow-up questions and, and we'll make sure we'll get those to Sandra and would love to have you, you back, um, share some more of your inspirational stories, maybe even bring a, a student on to talk about their experience because this is such an important topic. We cannot uh, let our, our young people um, fall victim to the the mindset that they're not good at math. So let me let you have kind of the last word. What would you say to parents, young people that struggle and maybe even have formed a phobia about math? What's your final words? My final words is get help early. When children uh, let you know that they are struggling, they really are. Um, So um, find, find out what, even if you have to take an assessment, Find out what your child's learning style is, and then you can work with them um, catering to that learning style. Sometimes parents help their students or help their children based on their learning style, and that's not right. Um, Help your child based on their learning styles. Make sure they're taking good notes in class. Um, And if your child has test anxieties, um, there's different techniques that's out there for them. And make sure that's a great... uh, study space for your child. Um, laying on the bed, studying is not always the most effective way to take in, uh, uh, take in those, that knowledge. But make sure there's a, a comfortable space and location for studying. And remember, repetition. Repetition. Do go a little bit ahead and beyond those homework assignments when it comes to math. And stay positive. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I love it. I love it. Well, thank you so much, Sandra. Thank you for what you're doing for uh, young people, for the community. Thank you for sharing your knowledge and your enthusiasm. And, again, if it's anyone, go to SandraRoach.com. Um, connect with her on social media. I am – say that again for me, the social media. I am Sandra Roach, yep. I am Sandra Roach. Okay, I wanted to make sure and get it right. And again, if you have other topics or uh, other questions, please send those to technologyexpresso.com. We enjoy our listeners. Share the podcast with others. Um, grandparents, you know, who young people. Share the, the podcast with them. This is an important topic, and uh, we were so happy to have this time with Sandra today. So with that, I'd like to thank our audience. I'd like to thank uh, our sound engineer, Javon Grant, for joining us. Um, and, again, continue to thrive, continue to listen, learn, leverage, and launch. And stay tuned for a few words from our sponsors. BDPA is an international organization with a diverse membership of professionals and students at all levels in the fields of information technology, computer science, and related STEM fields. Members are actively engaged in serving the community through outreach and charting the future of the IT industry. The BDPA's model is advancing careers from the classroom to the boardroom. For the last 38 consecutive years, BDPA has held national conferences. This year's event will be held August 10th through the 13th at the West End Hotel in Atlanta, Georgia. Registration is now open. Visit BDPA.org to find out more about local chapters. BDPA has over 46 chapters across the United States and is always looking to launch new chapters. BDPA also has student information, technology education, 
and scholarship programs, and even a national high school computer competition program. Students have the opportunity to learn and explore potential careers in technology, as well as learning leadership skills to work well with the team. Students that participate in the computer competition can win college scholarships from major corporations looking for young talent. BDPA's national conference also includes a career fair for job seekers. So mark those dates, August 10th through the 13th at the West End Hotel in Atlanta, Georgia. Register early and pass it on. The technology industry will continue to have jobs and business opportunities. Technology skills and aptitude will be a must for all. Industries and tech-related skills will allow job seekers to demand higher salaries. If you are a minority serious about a career in IT and you are not a member of BDPA, you are not really serious about your future. So log on now to bdpa.org to get started. You have been listening to Technology Expresso Cafe Radio. For a full list of our podcasts, social media handles, and upcoming shows, visit our web portal at www.technologyexpresso.com. Join our text club and get monthly alerts of upcoming events and initiatives. Text the phrase, full steam ahead, to 41411. Financial support and donations of any denominations are welcome. Your contributions help us sustain and reach undeserved communities who benefit from the many programs, role models, and technologists that we showcase. Thanks to our sponsors, partners, and thank you, our listeners. And remember, we encourage you to listen, learn, leverage, launch.